Do you schedule and host events in the Jewish community? Conferences, webinars, local events? Please consider adding your events to Jcast Network's newest project, the Jewish Communal Events Calendar. Don't schedule events, but know someone who does? Invite them to add their events. If we all work together, we can create another wonderful resource for the Jewish community. Visit our calendar and post your events at jcastnetwork.org slash jcpc. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit mikenopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Of course, it begs the question of if we if we're talking about including the names of the matriarchs, is that a request at all? Right? Is that is that talking about a person's needs? And if it is, is it a personal request or a communal request? Okay, so I'll leave that question open for the moment. Okay, Rambam. Okay, and I'm going to talk about Rambam uh, for a moment. Maimonides is by far the most conservative voice in Jewish legal tradition on this question. So you'll read Maimonides and say, there's no way. We can, there's no way we can change it. Um, and what I would argue is that if you follow Maimonides exclusively, you're probably right. Okay? Um, I'm not convinced that you need to follow Maimonides exclusively, but um, here's what he says. Okay? These blessings and all others... By the way, he's not even talking about the Amidah here. He's talking about uh, the laws of the blessings before and after the Shema. But let's assume he means also the Amidah in this. The, these blessings and all others were established, which is why what most contemporary uh, uh, um, uh, scheme, which is like jurists, most contemporary rabbis, assume that he, when he says these blessings and all others, he's not only referring specifically to the blessings before and after the Shema, but he's referring to all blessings, including the Amidah. I think that that's actually questionable here, but whatever. Um, these blessings and all, that's just my, that's a, what, we, what they call a dat yachid. That's a, my own opinion about it, okay? These blessings and all others were established by Ezra and his court, and one may not subtract from or add to them. Wherever they say to end with Baruch, one must end with Baruch. Wherever they say not to end with Baruch, one must not end with Baruch. Wherever they say not to open with Baruch, one must not open with Baruch. Wherever they say to open with Baruch, one must open with Baruch. As a general rule, anyone who deviates from the matbeah established by the sages in blessings is in error and must bless again according to the matbeah. I left that term matbeah untranslated here, as uh, Rabbi Ethan Tucker did, um, which is where I stole the text of this for, so I didn't have to rewrite it all. Um, but I left it, uh, I left it uh, untranslated because he, he leaves it untranslated for a particular reason. Matbeah uh, uh, means like the structure, okay? And it's unclear if matbeah, according to Maimonides or other people, means the sort of like order of the prayer service. Right, like what's required within the structure of the prayer service, or whether it means the specific words of every specific prayer. Right? And, and it's unclear what Maimonides means uh, when he says that don't deviate from the Matbeah established by the sages. He might mean the specific words of every specific prayer. He also might mean don't mess with the structure. Right? When they said to have two blessings before the Shema and one blessing after the Shema, don't add another blessing. Right? And he also, when he says don't lengthen it, um, 
it's, it's also unclear there whether something like adding the names of the matriarchs would be uh, included in what he means by lengthening the blessing. Um, because he, it seems like he's referring to, um, uh, to, the, um, uh, to like changing the fact that it, uh, that, that it, that it uh, ends or starts with Baruch or not. Right, uh, and that what he might mean there is by lengthening, he might mean like uh, um, you know don't don't change that word or don't uh, don't like extend it so that you lose the thread of the prayer before you get to Baruch. Um, it's not quite clear what he means by that, but uh, well, let's take him at his most conservative. Okay, at his most conservative, the most conservative understanding of what he's saying is um, the prayer, the words of the prayers were all established. Uh, a long, long time ago, and we don't mess with any of them. And um, and then, as a general rule, anyone who deviates from from them is in error and must do it again. Right? In other words, even if you uh, there's there's a principle in Jewish law called lechatchila and bedi'eved. Lechatchila means um, uh, what you're supposed to do from the onset, and bedi'eved means that you can be uh, like you're, you can get away with it even if you did the wrong thing. Right? That's more. That's a sort of loose interpretation. Okay. So, in this case, not only is he saying lechatchila, right, from the onset, you got to do the prayers in a certain way, but also bedi'eved, it also doesn't count. Right. So even if you, even if you wanted to rely and say we could add the names of the matriarchs, Maimonides says you shouldn't do it, but the blessing still counts even if you do. Maimonides, you could read Maimonides here to say no, right? If we're reading him at his most conservative, he would say no, not even B'di'eved, right? So you still have to go back and do it again because you didn't do it right. Maimonides says further in uh, the Laws of Blessings, and again, this is still not talking specifically about the Amidah. Um, he never talks about th- this idea <clears throat> when he talks about the Amidah, which I think is telling. Personally, again, that's a dat yachib. Um, but uh, these are just laws of blessings in general, right? The form of all the blessings were established by Ezra and his court, and it is not permitted to change them or to add to any one of them or to subtract from it. Okay, so a similar idea. And anyone who deviates from the matbeah established by the sages in blessings is purely in error, which is what he said before, right? They must, he, that person must bless again according to the matbeah. And any blessing that does not men- that does mention the divine name and sovereign excuse me that should say that does not any men- blessing that does not mention the divine name and sovereignty, which is the phrase Baruch Ata Adonai that's God's name Eloheinu Melech Haolam right the King of the world right or the ruler of the world or as I like to say Ben makes fun of me for saying this ma- Majesty of space and time um, right uh, because I whatever um, but uh, um, any blessing that doesn't invoke God's name and sovereignty is not really a blessing, uh, even if it was connected to a prior blessing. All blessings may be said in any language, provided that they are said in the way the sages established them. In other words, so the, the, the specific words matter. Don't change the words. If we're reading Maimonides at his most conservative, don't change the words, but you can say them in, in Hebrew or in English or in French or, or Arabic in his case or whatever you want. But if one altered the matbeah, as long as one mentioned the divine name and sovereignty and, uh, um, sorry, I, uh, I did not proofread this well. This should read, as long as one mentioned the divine name and sovereignty in the blessings, then one has fi- fulfilled one's obligation even in another language. So here he's saying the 
Right. Successful. Right. Which you may to student for a congregation would not be sufficient because we should be working with that feel of in right. our decision making. Right. So, uh, so w one of the earliest responses uh, uh, in the conservative movement about the issue of the matriarchs uh, seems to rely on Maimonides' uh, bedieved allowance here, but doesn't ever discuss the fact that he doesn't seem to allow for bedieved anywhere else in the other place. But you are pointing out something really important, right? There seems to be a contradiction in what Maimonides is saying. Right? On the one hand, he says, don't change anything at all, and if you change something, it didn't count. On the other hand, he's saying, don't change anything at all, and if you do say something, as long as it meets certain criteria, it counts. Now, again... We know which one he wrote first. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you go by the order of the Mishnah Torah, uh, the laws of the Shema and its blessings comes first, but I don't know which one, uh, which one actually was written first. We have to consider the possibility of changing his mind in either direction. That's true. He could have changed his mind in either direction. He also, you know, I mean, the thing about ancient writing is um, they didn't have like Control F on the keyboard, you know. So like they couldn't say like, oh, did I say this? He didn't have an editor, you know. Um, uh, so it's possible that he made a mistake. It's you know. Um, so, but uh, rabbinic commentary, legal commentary, presumes uh, generally, there's sometimes where they say he must have made a mistake or this must be a scribal error or something like that, but generally presumes the integrity of the text. Like, the, Maimonides meant what he said. So Rabbi Joseph Caro, this is where, the only place here where I went out of chronological order, Rabbi Joseph Caro, who is himself the author of um, uh, what became the most important and influential code of law after Maimonides, known as the Shulchan Aruch. Um, before he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, also wrote a commentary on Maimonides' Mishnah Torah. And so Caro says the following about that, uh, about that discrepancy. He says, It seems to me that there are two types of change. One is when a person recites the form of the blessing as it was established by our sages, but he or she adds onto it or subtracts from it. Or if a person recites a summary of the form as it was established by our sages and recites it with different words that nevertheless alludes to the form that was established by our sages so that the meaning of his or her words amount to what our sages established. What Rambam meant is that there is no error, but it's not appropriate to do this. In other words, this is the lachat chila thing, right? So he's trying to finesse the argument. What he's saying is that if you if you if you stay according to the general form, you might have added some things, you might have subtracted some things, you might have summarized it, whatever. But you stay according to the general form. You should. My is saying you shouldn't do it, but if you did it, it counts, right? But the second type of change is when one changes the meaning of the blessing. And again, this is relevant, I think, to our conversation because people. Uh, in addition to the halachic uh, point about can you add a petition in the blessing, the relevant question in addition to that is does adding the imahot change the theme of the blessing? Okay, but again, if you follow Maimonides, even if it doesn't change the theme of the blessing, it sounds like you probably shouldn't change it. Um, I just don't think you need to follow Maimonides. So. The second type of change is when, and I'm not the only one who thinks you don't, you don't need to follow, not the least of which is that it seems unclear what Maimonides meant by Mat Bea, um, but, uh, um, uh, but, but because there's plenty of other precedent in addition to and contradicting Maimonides, so uh, Maimonides seems to stand alone as a conservative voice on this. Um, the second type of change is when one changes the meaning of the blessing. It was about this that Rambam wrote is purely an error. And since he, he or she is in error, he or she does not fulfill his or her obligation. 
Right? So two different types of changes. In one, you're not changing the theme. It counts even though you shouldn't do it. In the other, you are changing the theme. Even if you did it, it doesn't count. You have to go back and do the blessing again the right way. Now, interestingly, and I actually hadn't seen this in any of the responsa about the issue of the imahot, but uh, in uh, Rabbi Ethan Tucker's source sheet, he quotes, and I didn't have an opportunity to actually like, go and find the full responsum of this, so I don't know uh, what he's referring to. Let's see, you, can find, you can sort of see the context here. It says uh, about the Avodah blessing, which is uh, uh, in, in the last three blessings of the Amidah, right? One of those three that, uh, according to the Talmud, you shouldn't really change or add uh, pe- petitionary prayers in. Maimonides says about that, there is nothing wrong with this text that you add into the Avodah blessing. This is not a request, but rather the theme of the blessing. So it seems like Maimonides is actually uh, uh, going even further than Caro is going, and, uh, and, and, and maybe didn't mean to be read as conservatively as most people seem to read Maimonides. What this text implies is that Maimonides is saying that it's okay even l'chatchila to change the text of a blessing so long as you don't change the theme of a blessing. So long as you don't add something that contradicts the, the general theme of the blessing. Okay. Moving forward in history to uh, uh, the Rashba, Rabbi Shlomo ben Aderet. The prohibition on altering the length of certain blessings does not mean that one cannot lengthen or shorten the text of the blessing. That is to say, with respect to its words. For then they should have fixed the text of every single blessing with a specific number of words and with specific themes, but such complete and total specification does not exist. And they only spoke of certain words that must be said. In other words, when they talked about the Amidah, they didn't say, in in the Talmud or in the early codes, they didn't say, not only is this the theme that you're supposed to talk about, not only is it sort of in this general category of praise, but here is the exact text that you're supposed to say with this amount of words. Don't say any more words than this, don't say any less words than this, and it's got to be these exact words, right? Rashma says, if, if what the sages wanted was us to not alter the blessings in any way, shape, or form, it would have done that. But it didn't do that. Um... But the sages did not, in general, fix the text of the blessings, specifying that a person say exactly such and such words. Rather, the concern is not about words, but about the matbeah, such as blessings that must begin and end with baruch, and these are called long. Right? So the matbeah is the general structure of the blessings, what, uh, um, uh, in the general order of things, but not the specific text of the blessings. That, according to the Rashba, is possible to change. Again, presumably so long as one is not changing the theme of the blessing. Me'iri, moving forward in history. Nonetheless, adding words in keeping with the blessing's theme or in keeping with the theme of the day, which are praises to God related to the blessing's theme, is perfectly permissible. And based on this reasoning, the practice is to say piyutim on the theme of the blessings. And even in the first three blessings of the Amidah, Right? So that, that helps explain why high holiday services are so long. Right? We can add a few team, we can add it there, the, uh, um, uh, on the theme of the blessings. That is arguable, I think, for some of the PU team we add in, but whatever. Um, okay. And Rabbi Joseph Kara, we read him before, and now this is from his law code uh, called the Shulchan Aruch. 
A person may not petition for his own needs in the first three blessings or in the last three blessings of the Amidah. Okay, that's a quote basically from the Talmud referencing what we saw earlier. This specifically refers to an individual's needs, but communal needs are permitted. Okay, so then for us, it seems to me that unless we are holding by the most conservative possible read of one scholar, which is Maimonides, which I'm not even sure is the only way to read what Maimonides is saying, then it seems like it is possible, permissible, to change the language of the text so long as, it, as long as the change meets two criteria. One, it's still on the theme of the text. It doesn't change the theme of the text, or the prayer, I should say. And two, um, it's, not a personal, it's not a personal request. In other words, you're not asking for a Mercedes, right? Uh, but, it's, but it's communal in nature. So I think that those are the two relevant questions. Is it on theme? Yeah, Ben. Is it adding? Is it adding a baruch, or is it not adding to a baruch? Is it, what did you say? A, adding a oh, not adding an additional prayer. Yes. Right. Yes. Which right. Is not an issue in what we're discussing today, but is a, the third requirement. Right. Okay. Fa- right. Fair enough. Right. 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 That's a good point. Um, right. Which would, which would, uh, if we're if we're a little bit, um, um, probably what matbeah means is uh, is that you don't. Um, take away a chunk of prayer, right? You don't take away a whole Baruch section, right? Or you don't add a whole Baruch section to the prayer service, right? So yeah, okay. Um, that's, but, I, but, I, but again, yeah, I agree with that. Um, although that's probably not as relevant to our consider. Our questions, I think, for the matriarchs is, is it a personal request? If it's not, then it's okay. And is it uh, a change of the theme of the blessing? If it's not a change of the theme of the blessing, then it's okay. Okay, so... Here's the text of the prayer with the matriarchs. Section 5. I'm on page 4. Well, actually, sorry, before I go on to that, any questions, comments, thoughts so far? I would like at some point to find out what the last of our moms was I, I, I do too, I do too. I, I, I think the, the summary makes sense, but yeah. I'm still curious. <clears throat> well, it's not a summary, that's just a quote. Yeah, that's no, a, I but yeah. 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 Um, I don't want to get too off track, but there's so many varying opinions that we're going through, and there's so many different um, through time. And I'm looking at one constant I'm seeing here, 12th century, 11th century, 16th century. Because there's so much uh, interpretation of what was potentially being said, almost like a telephone game, I think. Though. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how are we interpreting it? And if we're constantly evolving as a people, and I'm, I do like the conservative values that we stand by, and should I? Shouldn't we, mm-hmm. you just said the two things. Uh-huh. I'll just look at that. Yeah. Get, I'll say. Shouldn't we evolve? <laughs> uh, so, that, that right. Is, I'm, I'm just trying to... You're raising a really important point, okay? The really important point is um, the change that we're even considering making here is actually a pretty conservative change, right? Um, and, you know, like, if I were writing an entirely new prayer book... Um, uh, you know, if I were reforming Judaism, right, I mean, I would, like, you know, I would make a prayer book filled with the stuff that we did at Friday Night Live the other week, you know, like, um, and, uh, and, and, and it's very striking 
that even the most liberal denominations of Judaism actually make pretty conservative changes when they make changes to the prayer book, right? So if you look at a Reformed prayer book, um, the changes, that they may cut some things out, but um, the changes that they make are actually pretty minor. It's pretty striking. Um, we, we don't tend to like radically transform um, the tradition, but it is one of the things that I rely on in developing a service like Friday Night Live or Rosh Hashanah Live in which we take out many of the uh, traditional prayers and include contemporary songs, um, uh, I, I try to have an eye as best I can for maintaining the themes of the blessings that I'm taking out, right? And, and putting things on theme, which is, I think, it's, I, I would say, I'm going to put this, I'm going to be very clear about this. I would say it's not uh, strictly halachic what, I, what, I, what, what, what we're doing there, um, but it's, I would say, in the spirit of the halacha, right? Um, but you're, that's a really good point, right? Maybe we should be considering more radical changes than just these. Yeah. Um, other comments or thoughts or questions? Okay, so here's the text of the prayer with the matriarchs. Baruch atah Adonai, Elohinu velohe avotenu, sum ad imotenu. Um, uh, again, the question is whether Avotenu refers specifically to patriarchs or whether uh, Avotenu is, could be understood more broadly as ancestors. Um, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Sarah, Elohei Rivka, Elohei Rachel, Elohei Leah. Ha'el Hagadol Hagibor Vehanora, El El Yom Gomel Chasadim Tovim Vekone Hakol Vezocher Chaste Avot. Again, the imahot, if, uh, um, if, if you don't believe that avot includes um, uh, the, the matriarchs. Umevi goel ivnei b'nehem l'man shmo be'ava, melech ozeru moshia u'magen, baruch ata adonai, magen avraham u'foked sarah. Okay? All right. So you, blessed are you, Adonai, our God and God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, God of Sarah, God of Rebekah, God of Rachel, and God of Leah, great, mighty, awe-inspiring, transcendent God who acts with kindness and love and creates all, who remembers the loving deeds of our ancestors, and who will lovingly bring a redeemer to their children's children for the sake of divine honor. You are the sovereign who helps and saves and shields. Blessed are you, Adonai, shield of Abraham and guardian of Sarah. Okay. So the meaning of that revised text. So first, uh, the question of biblical intertextuality. Rabbi David Galinkin, who <clears throat> is in contemporary conservative circles, a fairly conservative uh, voice, um, and does not uh, permit the inclusion of the matriarchs in the Amida, at least in the way that uh, it's um, generally done out there. Um, one of the reasons <clears throat> is uh, because of this. The expressions imahot, which appears 76 times in rabbinic literature, which means like the Talmud and Midrash, and Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, which appears 15 times, mostly in late Midrashim, do not appear in the Bible at all. Okay, so whereas God several times in the Bible is referred to or refers to God's self as Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, God never in the Bible refers to God's self as Elohei Sarah, Elohei Rivka, Elohei Rachel, Elohei Leah. Um, God doesn't uh, uh, speak about the, the nature of that relationship in, in those uh, specific terms. Uh, the, the names of the matriarchs are never invoked um, uh, in the context of the covenantal relationship that the patriarchs had with the matriarchs. Right, so Glinkin's point is that the uh, matriarchs is more of a rabbinic concept than a biblical concept. Uh, and uh, because the opening blessing 
of the Amidah invokes the, coven, the biblical covenantal relationship between uh, God and the patriarchs. To include the matriarchs there would be altering the theme of the blessing. Okay? Um, here's the alternative argument. Um, there are plenty of instances uh, in the Torah, and I listed out a few of them, uh, where the matriarch's relationship with God is uh, spelled out uh, very clearly. <clears throat> and more to the point, uh, their indispensable role in um, upholding and furthering the covenantal relationship with God um, is, is laid out clearly, right? So, um, you know, without, without Sarah giving birth to Isaac, there is no covenantal relationship with God uh, and Abraham that results in Jewish people. Um, and, uh, and there's plenty of other things that one can say about Sarah and Sarah's relationship with God, not the least of which is, um, I, I mentioned Genesis 12.5, where um, it's, uh, there's a phrase there that says, uh, that uh, Abraham and Sarah left Haran, uh, uh, for the land of Israel, with Kola Nefesh Asherasu, which is all of the souls that they made, and the classic midrash on that is that they were basically making converts, they were making Jews there, uh, and Abraham would convert the men, and Sarah would convert the women. Right, so so there, there's a sense, at least in uh, rabbinic understanding of Torah, that there is a, 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 a strong and almost equal partnership between Abraham and Sarah uh, in, the, um, in the development of the Jewish people. Um, without, <clears throat> without Rebecca favoring uh, 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 Jacob, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and enabling him to trick Isaac into giving the blessing, there would be no continuation of uh, the Jewish people uh, through, through Jacob, uh, and, uh, and so the covenant would have ended there. Uh, without uh, Rachel and Leah, there would be no 12 tribes of Israel. Um, yeah? Uh, I apologize for So, so I'll say two things there because I think we're, we're because there 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 are some different people that we're talking about. So the first is um, <clears throat> if the if the theme of the blessing is invoking the covenantal relationship between God and the Jewish people that uh, that that originates in the patriarchs and uh, and continues through ultimate redemption, then it seems perfectly appropriate not to include Hagar, which was Abraham's uh, concubine, uh, in that blessing because. That would, I think, not talk about the, the, the nature, the theme of the blessing. You could make, I think, a plausible argument for Bilha and Zilpah. There's a reason I think we don't include them, and we'll get to that in a second, but I think that the primary reason is that um, uh, even, I was going to say rabbinically, but I'd say even biblically, they're generally presumed to be um, 
to, to be included in Rachel and Leah. They have children for, with Jacob on behalf of Rachel and Leah. So first, uh, I think Bilhah is Rachel's uh, handmaiden, if I'm not mistaken. And Rachel was originally barren. Rachel has Bilhah um, have children through Jacob on her behalf. Uh, and the children of Bilhah um, become sort of uh, uh, um, uh, conscribed through Rachel and Leah. The other thing, and I think Ben pointed this out to me, is that of the surviving tribes of Israel, um, uh, which means you know after the destruction of the northern kingdom in, in 722 BCE, of the surviving tribes of Israel, they're all either from Rachel or Leah, and and really from Leah, but uh, but all either from Rachel or Leah. Yeah, that's true. So Benjamin, right? That's you're right about that, and and. Uh, <clears throat> And, uh, and, and the northern tribes are, are kind of usually lumped in with Joseph, right? They're, they're, Ephraim and Manasseh are really sort of the, the, um, the catch-all of the northern tribes. So, uh, so really, Rachel and Leah are, um, uh, are presumed to, be, um, uh, to, to include all of the Jewish people within them, even though there were other wives that Jacob had with whom he had children. So that's... That's why, although I had, you know, in one of my arguments when, when I was a little bit more skeptical about adding the matriarchs was, well, I'm not going to add until they give Bilhah and Zilpah their fair due. And I'd say, okay, fine. So add Elohim. And I guess the other piece of it is that there's no discussion in the Bible of Bilhah and Zilpah having a relationship with God, but there is description of both Leah and Rachel having a relationship with God. So when you, if you were to say Elohe Bilhav, Elohe Zopah, that, that probably uh, um, would not, uh, that would probably distract from the meaning of the, the, the theme of the, of the prayer. Whereas Rachel and Leah is more arguable. Now, so, the, so there, there, there are arguments you can make on either side. On the one hand, you can say <clears throat> that the theme of the prayer is about a particular covenantal relationship that God had with the patriarchs. Uh, and so, therefore, to include the matriarchs in that is um, an imposition on the plain meaning of the Bible, and therefore of Jewish tradition. The other argument is that the that the covenantal promise to the patriarchs could never have come into fruition without the without the matriarchs as well. Uh, in which case, it is not a distraction from the theme, but a uh, uh, but an, uh, I don't know if I would say an enhancement of the theme, but it's not off topic to talk about the matriarchs in connection with the patriarchs in the relationship with God in the, in, in the covenant. Um, your, your answer to that question will basically determine whether you think it's okay to include the matriarchs. But I would say also the following, and this, this is sort of, be, and, and, and this was even true, I think, you know, before um, I became much more um, uh, favorably disposed toward adding the matriarchs, is um, I, um, I believe in uh, human authorship of the Bible. Um, I believe the Bible was divinely inspired, but humanly authored, um, which means that uh, to a certain degree, the Bible is, um, uh, re- reflects uh, the time and place in which it was written. Um, and women were generally not uh, considered uh, um, eligible to be party in contracts like the covenant between God and Abraham. If the Bible were written today, my guess is that the author... So what you have here uh, is, um, uh, is not a blessing about mitzvot. 
So that's the other distinguishing thing that I think that this might not be relevant to that. Okay, all right, we have a couple minutes left. Um, any questions or comments or thoughts uh, about any of this? Ben, yeah. You know what? That might actually just be an accident for for my typing. I have to look. I have to go and look. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that might just be an accident for my typing. I have to go back and look. Yeah. Well, so, okay, so there's a couple of things. The first is, um, it's not the seminary's decision. <coughs> uh, it's every local community's decision. <coughs> Who wrote the prayer book? Well, so first of all, the, the prayer book um, uh, uh, has had the matriarchs as an option for uh, over 30 years. Why does it have it as an option? What, I, I'm not sure if I understand the question. It's a big issue in conservative Judaism because generally speaking, we prefer to conserve the tradition uh, unless we have a compelling reason not to. So it's a big issue. Like all, all change becomes big issues in conservative Judaism. I think, I think appropriately so because we, um, we, we have a sense of fidelity to, uh, to the tradition, a sense of the importance of the tradition, a sense that our ancestors didn't like uh, rule things in a, in a willy-nilly fashion. Uh, and so that if we want to change things, the burden of proof is on the people who want to change them. So that's why. And it's not only this, right? It's, it's, it's everything. But um, uh, I actually have no problem with the fact that it's taken the conservative movement uh, by the way, this was on nobody's radar screen before, um, uh, before the feminist movement of the 60s and 70s. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and I personally, I think it, it's helpful that the feminist movement put it on the agenda. What, sorry, say that again? My guess is you did not hear it before the 60s. Yeah, my, my guess is you did not hear it before the 60s. I don't think anybody was talking about this before the 60s or 70s. You probably didn't hear it at Bethel until the early 90s. <laughs> the conservative movement is slow. Richmond's a little bit slower than the conservative movement. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, not like intellectually slow, just like evolutionarily slow. Yeah. Well, so, so right now in our prayer book, we have uh, page A and B. So in the new prayer book, it's on the same page. It's two different columns. Um, so we still preserve both options. Right. We still have choice. Um, other questions, comments? Uh, well, that's a very good question. I would say uh, it seems that the answer is yes. Um, there, some of the earliest, <clears throat> <clears throat> some of the earliest, 
some of the some of the earliest um, uh, examples of prayer in the Bible are women's prayers, um, and, uh, and and even though rabbinic law exempts women from the obligation to um, uh, to, to do certain daily prayers, uh, it still seems pretty clear that uh, that that. Uh, Many women, although maybe not all women, but many women throughout history still preserved a regular prayer practice and regularly prayed. Um, uh, what's that? Both, both. Um, so, what, and I guess more to the point of the question, this is, I think, the the um, the insight of feminism um, is that uh, uh, ancient and medieval and early modern uh, women probably wouldn't have been particularly bothered by the lack of uh, women's names included in the blessing because I think they also generally had a presumption that first, that, that, that women were uh, not party to contracts. They, they presumed the historicity of the accounts written in the Bible. Uh, and they also assumed that when it says Abraham, it also means Abraham and Sarah. Right, so Sarah was sort of subsumed in Abraham, um, but I'm not positive. I'm not positive, by the way, that, that the, uh, the 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 rabbis that we quoted before, if they were alive today, would they say not to do it? Um, my guess is that they would say that it's perfectly fine to do it. Maybe even Maimonides. What? What? It's to- totally speculative. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so here. So let me let me give you. So Edith, to your point, uh, here's here's my my proposed uh, resolution. Okay. The first is that um, can you change the first blessing of the Amida? I think that you can, so long as the change is on theme and doesn't include a personal request. Okay. So that's one. Can you include the matriarchs? In other words, does it change the theme or does it make a personal request? I would say no, it doesn't change the theme and it doesn't make a personal request. So if you ask me what my conclusion is on any of this, I would say that it is both acceptable to include the matriarchs and maybe for our community advisory to do so. Um, uh, We did a a sort of informal uh, flash poll of regular uh, weekday and Shabbat minion goers uh, and uh, well over 60% of people were in favor of a change, something like 20% were indifferent, and like 12% were not in favor. Um, and some of the comments of the people who are in favor um, were, were, I think, extremely powerful and compelling arguments for making the change. In other words, there are women in our community who feel like um, their, uh, <clears throat> the, the voices of women have been unfairly silenced too much in history, and that this would be a step toward fulfilling the promise that we say when we say that we're an egalitarian community. Um, so I think that those are compelling arguments. Uh, so these are my sense. I think it is acceptable to do so, and in my opinion, for our community, it's advisory to do so.